0: Enjoy the magic and the men and the comedy behind Talking Tricks with Cain and Abel live. You can see our live comedy magic show at the following places. We'll be at the Brighton Fringe Festival on the 4th, 5th, 6th and 31st of May as well as the 1st and 2nd of June. We'll be at the Hastings Comedy Fringe on the 14th of June and we'll be at Kendall Calling on the 26th, 27th and 28th of July. And then, of course, we're returning to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival throughout August with two shows. The Two Magicians with Kane and Abel, our brand new show, and as well as that, split Egg, a magic show about being twins, which was nominated for Best Free Show last year. Visit magic for more.
1: You're listening to Talking Tricks, the home of amazing stories from magic, circus, variety and comedy performers.
0: Hello and welcome to Talking Tricks, a podcast presented by us, two magicians with the exact same voice, Cain and Abel. And we've got one hell of a show lined up for you today. It's a bumper edition and it's an extra long edition. It's fantastic. We're going to cover everything here from TV stardom, winning awards, running monthly magic nights, being a street performer, bad tattoos and even homelessness. It's a hell of an interview with Magic Sam, Sam Hurst. So we're going to get right into it now on Talking Tricks. But the one thing we'll say very quickly before this episode starts is do us a favor. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We're bringing you more and more ways than ever to enjoy talking tricks with Kane and Abel. You can listen to us via iTunes, Podbean's, Acast. Meaning, no matter what kind of device or how you like to enjoy your podcast, there's a way you can find us. But do us a favor: share about the podcast from however you listen to it share it across all social medias and of course give us a rate and review and a subscribe it helps us increase in the rankings we know we've got some amazing episodes that we've already released and we want people to continue to be able to listen to them and we've got some pretty good episodes lined up as well our aim here is to give you a brand new episode every week normally hopefully on a monday however like this one this is coming to your day late on a tuesday as we're into the height of our summer work we travel overseas about every two weeks you would have heard in that advert as well all the festivals we've got coming up so we're all over the place so ideally we'll get this to you on a monday but it'll be as close to that as possible but do us a favor let the world know about this little podcast of ours and we'll keep cracking out more fantastic episodes but now Enjoy Magic Sam. The number one podcast for great stories from the world of magic, circus, comedy and variety. You're listening to Talking Tricks. Joining us now on Talking Tricks is Magic Sam, Sam Hurst, the brand new 2019 UK Family Entertainer of the Year and what a place to start. Sam, first and foremost, congratulations on the award and secondly... Is this something that you've been striving to win for a long time?
1: Yes and no. I wanted to show magicians what I could do because I I I, I didn't know whether or not I didn't know whether or not they actually knew if I was any good, you know. And I go to I've been going to conventions for years, and we did we did a little thing called Beat the Wand, which we could talk about later, um, and but I never really did a show, and. It was last year, not this year. The year before, I re uh, I thought, yeah, I'm going to enter this. I'm going to enter it because I've been doing a lot since I had my two kids. I've been doing a lot of kids parties, a lot more than I used to do. Last year, I saw Nutty Nova was doing it, so I decided I made the wise choice of not entering. <laughs> so yeah, then I entered this year, and I didn't expect to win. I didn't realize I wanted to win, but when my name got announced, I was actually. I can't believe how overjoyed I was. I was it really did mean a big thing to me to to do that in front of the biggest magic convention in the world. Yeah.
0: You mentioned it there and for someone that might not know the the UK Family Entertainer of the Year takes place during the Blackpool Magic Convention. So this is 3000 people in the Winter Gardens. How did it feel stepping out in front of that audience?
1: Uh, it was insane because I didn't think that the auditorium would be as full as it was. Like it's the biggest stage in Europe. It's huge. There's three thousand people. I mean, you've probably been to have you ever had if you ended up ever ended up with the seats at the back at the top? Absolutely, yeah. And it's, I've seen over the illusions. <laughs> yeah. And it gives you bird to go. Uh-huh. You're like, whoa, we should really high up. So to walk out on that stage, I was really nervous. Ten seconds in, I suddenly remembered This is something that you've done a thousand, maybe more than a thousand times. Just get on with it because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy the fact that you've got to come onto this stage. And the kid that I picked was, he was absolutely outstanding. His his name was Ollie. His name was Ollie and he was just, he had Charisma. And I was like, oh, this is just going well. So I was just having a laugh with my new friend. It was me and my new friend doing a bit of magic for people that were enjoying it. So it just, it was fun. And some people, when they're putting together
0: a competition act, might put together a competition act. Others will take an act that they've been honing for years and years and years. I know the answer to this, but for the listener... (laughs) um, Which area did you fall into there? Was this your your standard working material? And what kind of places had you perfected
1: this at? This is... No, this is... It it was my working material. It was. I've done... I I work Covent Garden and that is my opener. That is how I build a crowd. Um, I can tell you more in a bit about how, how I build... How you need to build a crowd and how you have to get your... Your stuff done, but it's it's something that I use to build a crowd. It's something it's it's a sponge ball trick. It's a mix of David Williamson's bit with the squeakers. You've got one squeaker that works, one squeaker that doesn't work. They the the spec can't find the squeaky ball. And you play about with them and then eventually show them that you've got a squeaker and you pass them the squeaker and the squeaker doesn't squeak for them. And it's, it's like a, a triple, if not a quadruple whammy of got you, got you, got you, got you, but it's done in a lovely playful way together. So then it's, so you both enjoy it. It's not, I've got you. You're an idiot. It's got you. Come on, come on. We're playing it. And then after that, you move it to just showing a very, very, very average Spongeball one two one two, which, Spongeballs, I don't want to go on about it too much, but Spongeballs are, are something that I hated. I hated until 2007 when I was working at Pure Magic Bar. It was called Pure Magic Bar, which was owned by Mark Bennett that became Illusions Magic Bar when Mark Bennett... Took it independently. It used to be owned by a, a big company that run trains and the owner flies around in a hot air balloon. Um, a magician though was doing Sponge Balls and I, I kept saying, why did you do that? Because I loved everything to be natural and organic. I hate, I, I, I thought I hated ridiculous props and Sponge Balls just don't exist anywhere within, apart from magic. Uh-huh. They only exist in magic. Yeah. But when I first did Sponge Balls, I was like, that's amazing. That's amazing, the reaction you get. So that was, I suppose, made you feel good. Yeah. When you do magic and you can see that a feeling happens. And then I also I added on Eugene Berger's idea of getting as many tiny sponge balls as possible into that hand at the same time. So... So, I've just put those two tricks together, a little bit of my own scripting, and it turned into a really good routine, and then it's the streets, really, that added the bits, the bits of business that I add in, of offering, telling, pulling out a big lollipop as a prize for the kid, and then as I'm holding that, giving them a tiny lollipop to say thank you. Um, Yeah, so...
0: You mentioned the street and obviously we were talking about UK Family Entertainment of the Year. I'm interested to find out what percentage of your time would you say you are working at children's birthday parties and what percentage of your time are you on the streets in Covent Garden?
1: Performing on the streets in Covent Garden. Uh, <laughs> performing on the streets, probably an hour, two hours a day. It depends how many other performers are there. Um, but Covent Garden is my main is my main focus. I do children's parties for fun. I do children's parties for fun and f because it's guaranteed money. So if I can get what my average street earnings will be in a day from a kids party, then I know I can go and enjoy the kids' party. Because, I don't, because it's definite money. And that's when I'll do a, str- a kids' party. But I only also do kids' parties very close to my house. But the rest of the time, a lot of my time, a huge amount of my time is focused on the street. I've been constantly thinking about what I can do about street shows. Can I make them better? How it's, it is a full-time business doing street shows. It really is. It's fun. There's massive benefits. But it's a lifestyle not a living, but it also afforded me to it also affords me to to live in london in West, in Ealing, which is one of the, quite an expensive place to live. It affords me to live there and also affords that I can spend a lot of time with my kids as they're growing and they're only two and one, but I get to spend a lot of time with them uh, when it gets to the summer when it gets to the summer. Which is starting right now. So I was just telling you before before we started this interview. It starts to get scary because I know I'm going to be working, a 200 days straight, and you don't know if you're going to make anything, whatsoever. You don't know what's going to happen. You just have to go out there and do
0: it. And what led, what led you to start street performing in the first place, then Sam?
1: Right, the the. The first, first, the initial time, because there's two ways that I did it. Um, the first time was I was doing Performing Arts and Theatre Studies at Blackburn College back in 2000. OMG, I'm old. Back in 2000. And we were getting to the end of the course. And my Performing Arts tutor said, Do you know what, Sam? You want to be a magician. I don't think anybody's told you that that's what you want to do so it wouldn't be stupid of you to leave college now and just go and try to be a magician and I was like I don't know how to do it and he said you'll work it out so I went out and my friend Matt one night he was like have you seen seen this rum that they're selling in the local spoons. It's 75%. We should get a shot of that. Just, I was 18. And I was like, how are we going to get it? And he was like, well, I'll play the bongos and you do card tricks and we'll make enough money to do that. And we, I got a couple of McDonald's fry boxes from McDonald's, obviously. Um... And I sat out as a table, and we stood there on the streets of Preston at um, half ten at night. And he played the bongos, and I kept trying to get people to stop to watch a card trick. And we did that, and within half an hour, we'd actually made like £60. And that, that is what I did. That is completely what I did. The second time, though, was I'd, I'd moved to London... I'll tell you. I'll tell you the second time in a bit, if I can tell you in a bit, because well, I'll tell you the second time now. Um, Before you do that, what was the run like? Oh, disgusting! <laughs> it was absolutely no. Do you know what? It should have been disgusting, but we got it. You we got to, it yeah. within half an hour, plus money for taxis and and to go out and play the next day. From nothing, or what was nothing, but actually no, it wasn't from nothing. It was from ten years of practice before that, and and it really opened my eyes that this is definitely an avenue you can head down.
0: Yeah, so I I do want to talk about Covent Garden. I want to talk about you being there, but I know actually if we keep the kind of time frame as as close to it is as possible, there's there's a big chunk of your career and life between you doing tricks on the street of Preston and being kind of full-time in Covent Garden that lots of amazing things have happened. Um, so talk us through some of the kind of early successes you had in your career, I suppose, and what took you from doing tricks on the street in Preston to being more of a professional magician.
1: Right, the, the, first, the first real break, right, so I did loads of £50 children's parties, loads of... Fifty pound weddings, loads of. You're doing this for the council. It's a charity event, free events and things like that. Um, and then, I applied. To work at Pure Magic Bar in Manchester, and oh my lord, I wrote so much rubbish in my in my application. You know, I said that I've done, sort of rubbish. I had quite a big following on MySpace um, for no. For no real reason except I was on MySpace. Um, And Mark Bennett gave me a job at Illusion, uh, at Pure Magic Bar. And while I was there, I was lucky enough to work with Mark Bennett, Matthew Wright, who's like Fism finalist, Matthew Wright, and Andrew Burtwell, who was the best man at my wedding. And We worked really together. We worked really hard together on each other's trips because each night we'd sit. The wage was actually really decent, especially at my age. And... How old were you at that point? 21. 21. 21 and on a very fun wage in what to me was the big city, living in a flat with another guy with similar interests, um alcohol and women um who was tony who was the bar man, uh one of the bar guys who's now um a, a surveyor or an engineer I, I went to his he went to his wedding an awesome guy um and as I was doing that I I actually started to get noticed like we ended up in newspapers and and things and and I applied a lot for TV shows. And I got a surprising amount of callbacks for TV shows. Like, I was surprised. Um, and one of the TV shows, the big, the big jump, was something called Let Me Entertain You. Now, this is when Pure Magic Bar, I applied while I was working at Pure Magic Bar, P- Pure Magic Bar had closed, and it was called Let Me Entertain You, which was a, a talent show that was killed off. By Britain's Got Talent. It was killed off by Britain's Got Talent because they launched on the night of the day that my final went live. And you had to do three rounds, you had to last three minutes. it was a gong show, you last three minutes, you won a thousand pounds. You last three minutes, you won a thousand pounds. If you won the final, they gave you like a specially tailored prize, no expense spurred. And I got through to the grand final on that. I came third on that. And that was really good. Um, I did I did, I think my first round, smash and stab. Second round, billing lemon. Third round. Was. Snowstorm, snowstorm in China. I did Kevin Hart's snowstorm in China that I borrowed off, Stephen Williams. I've got to make sure that I'm saying all these names because I've got to thank all the people that have helped me get where I am. Stephen Williams, Stephen Williams Jr. He let me the snowstorm in China and I actually damaged the box and I felt guilty about that to this day. <laughs> and then from, then from then, from doing that, then I actually then started getting a lot of phone calls about TV shows and I was going in for a lot of castings. And I was going in for a lot of castings against Dynamo.
0: Yeah.
1: And we were getting the same phone calls all the time. Can you do this? Can you do this? And Dynamo clearly won. Because Dynamo is actually fantastic and a lovely guy and and definitely a safer bet than me. <laughs> so do you know what? At the time, I used to I used to be really bitter about it. But I realised there's no point being bitter because Because what's the point of being bitter? Say there's a big lovely pie, right? A big lovely cake. And somebody gets a bigger slice of you. Mm. What's the point of being annoyed that they've got a bigger slice? When actually, you've still got some lovely cake. Just enjoy the cake you've got. It doesn't matter. Because maybe next time, or in a little bit, you'll get another slice. And it might be even better cake than this slice. But still, you can just enjoy the slice of cake that you've got. At the time. Yeah. So then after that, after that, so that was Let Me Entertain You. Then I did Sky Sports. I did a little bit of VT for Sky Sports. Then I won a fridge on The Prices Right. Which, out of all of your TV appearances, <laughs> this is my favourite? It's my favourite. It's still on YouTube? Um, it's you and Joe Pasquale, right? It's me and Joe Pasquale, and I'm incredibly hungover.
0: Yeah, and you say a very Norman thing, Turing. I mean, you'll be coming across here as the most Norman person ever. But ding dang do. And you say that, i ding dang do for me. Oh,
1: ding dang do for me because I'm 100 quid for getting the money on the nose. Oh man, I should have won Price is Right, but instead I won a fridge. And the annoying thing about that is that other prizes on that episode of The Price is Right, bear in mind, I'm living in Manchester in a bachelor pad with my friend. And the other prizes on the Price is Right that day, they were all American themed. There was a pool table. There was an arcade machine. There was a Harley Davidson style motorbike. There was a Whirlitser jukebox. And the prize I got to win was a fridge. And it wasn't like I could go out into Manchester on a Friday night and be like, how are you doing? Yeah. Do you want to come home and see my fridge <laughs> so I sold it to my mum and it paid the rent for a month was the fridge <laughs> even full when it arrived Did no feel, no. it didn't even arrive for like 8 months either but my mum paid bought it off me and she got a good deal on that fridge oh,
0: we're jumping ahead but just because it's very relevant to the prices, right you have um, used that video for a trick um, I know it's part of this year's Edinburgh
1: show yeah but it was kind of a prediction trick when Yeah, it was a confabulation. Yeah. It was a confabulation. So as we went through am I am I allowed to talk techniques on here? Yeah, it's fine. Alright then. So I used a force bag to force a celebrity that I could get. The the Oh no, do I, 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 the the celebrity that I got, then I used um, a a numbers trick, you know, with your phone and memory recall to get a number. Um, and then I had a like Popeye popper deck to do. It wasn't really a Popeye popper deck. No, it was. It was rough and smooth. Is that a Popeye popper? I don't know. But it had household objects. That kind on, of thing. Yeah. Household objects on, and I couldn't work out what the household object was. So as I was going through the show, I kept trying to guess what this household object was, and I kept pulling cloths off things and it was a TV and a video recorder no was it a videotape no is it something you could carry under your arm no oh wait I think I know it um I can't even remember what I did at Edinburgh oh and then I opened a box and the prize was supposed to be in there but it was a balloon and the balloon floated up and we popped the balloon and from the balloon a lemon fell out And the person took the lemon and they opened the lemon up and inside the lemon it had a piece of paper and it said play the videotape. And when we played the videotape it was me with Joe Pasquale, the celebrity winning a fridge for £785. So it was making use of a video that was just a bit of a joke. But it 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 was very fun considering the venue I played out at Edinburgh.
0: (laughs) And whilst we're on In The realm of TV, and you mentioned Dynamo, uh, something else that you you worked on was the Magic House Party.
1: Magic House Party was really fun. Magic House Party was... It was only BBC2 Northern Ireland, but it was still BBC. And it was the first time they said, are there any specific tricks you want to do? And I was like, yeah, I want to do this, but I can't afford it. And they were like, that's fine, we'll pay for that. That's fine, we'll pay for that. We can pay up to this much. And I was like, great. And they flew me over to Belfast. And they flew me over to Belfast. And we basically what the show was, was it was sort of like Pimp My Ride, but it was Pimp My Party. Um, Dynamo was one episode. I was one episode. I think Pete Hathaway was an episode. I'll feel guilty. I can't really remember who the other episodes are right now. Um so we went to somebody's party and there was a, a famous a famous DJ from Belfast, he played the music at the party, they brought in quirky things for the party, but they always brought in a magician. And it was based around the magic. And I went there and I did I did um I did a dynamite roulette which is an old Taurus magic thing. Which is you hold a stick of dynamite and all the wires are mixed up and then you've got three more sticks of dynamite. I actually use sausages with explosives in them. And the volunteer from right across, far away, presses buttons in a random order and they go off. One, two, three. And then the one that you've got, you put it into a bucket and they say it oh. off. And it was done with medium stage maroons, which you do not whatsoever want to be holding in your hand if they go off. And it did really loud bang, it was really good. But the the crazy thing is this is Belfast and the plane companies on both sides allowed me to bring a suitcase of batteries, explosives and a board for detonating to bring it there. And then we had to, we had to, um, we had to knock on all the doors for a good three or four streets to let them know, and if anybody objected to it, they got put up in a really posh hotel for the night, because of obviously, I'm saying this as if it's like, hi, but, you know, Belfast and explosions, Mm. so... All of that had to happen just to film this trick and maybe 20,000 people ever saw
0: it. (laughs) And was it around this time, we we mentioned the Blackpool Magic Convention at the beginning, was it around this time that you started doing Beat the Wand?
1: It was exactly around this time, yeah. This is when I had um, had a lot of get up and go and we were going to Blackpool and there was a comedian hosting and he said jokes that I did not agree with so I heckled him halfway for pretty much half the night before I decided I might as well just leave. Um, so then I talked to my, my friend, and Andrew Burtwell, and I said, he, I don't know if he suggested it to me or I suggested it to him, but basically we had the conversation that it, it didn't seem fair that the acts on stage Where's a showcase for anybody else? Where was the showcase? So we went to Derek Lever and we said, can we put a show on? Can we put a show on where anybody can have a go and they can do whatever they want? And he didn't even think about it. He just went, yep. And we were like, awesome. And then we put it on. And we put it on and it was a gong show and it was late at night. And it still goes on. I think next year would be our 12th year. And some of the acts... In fact, a lot of the acts... Like, we, I like to think that what we did has let them be known. I don't want to say the names. But I'm going to say that we really got a lot of attention for somebody that's really good with Rubik's Cubes. Um, We got a lot of attention for somebody that was a Britain's Got Talent second person that does ventriloquism, you know? Obviously, they did everything else off their own back, but I feel like we helped them a little bit in the magic world by being able to push people and giving them the platform, and that's all Beat the Wand is about. It's not about if you're good or if you're bad. It's giving people an opportunity to get up there and be like, look, here's the thing I do, and then... The other magicians will see it and they'll be like, oh my god, that guy's really good. Maybe we'll get him to our magic club, or maybe I've got a gig that's better for him than it is for me. And I'll get a hold of that guy and do that. And it's been an awesome, awesome, awesome ride doing it. It's always very stressful and very scary. Um Andy's stopped doing it with me now, but that's that's absolutely fair enough to him. Be the one's amazing. It's one of my proudest achievements.
0: What have been some of the highlights uh, or some of the most memorable moments of beat the one then, just very quickly? Memorable moments.
1: Number one is PJ. PJ is a legend. He won. He won eventually. But me and Andy might have had a secret that we weren't going to let him win until ten years into it. And he won at ten years. Um... He came on dressed as Mickey Mouse and, and was trying to banish a silk, but then had to take off the big ridiculous glove because his thumb tip couldn't, he couldn't do his thumb tip. He, he also came out with a bit of himself hanging out on stage. Um, an amazing guy called Alexander Haugaus from Norway, who's entered, he won this year. Um, and his act, he makes it up every year. He literally makes it up at Blackpool every year, and he's always been second. He won this year. Um, then there's uh, Brian and Bohey are also Norwegian, and they're a son and dad, and when they first entered, well, I need to get them the right way around. Brian is the kid. Brian's a little boy. They're a lovely father and son. He's 11 years old, he was 11 years old when he first entered. And the jokes that he was saying. There was nothing offensive. But he should not have been saying them. He was pulling. Used condoms out of his pockets and things. But the thing would beat the wand You don't win. By doing good magic. You win. By taking the piss out of magic. Because you're at the convention all weekend. It's magic, 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 magic in your face. But if you can really take the essence of what's funny and what we all realise is crap about magic, then you can entertain magicians. It's magic for magicians. Yeah. So then,
0: at what point did you move down to London? Because I know, obviously, moved down to London, there's Covent Garden, and then a couple of club nights that you've run down here. Uh, When did you move down to London, and what led you down
1: here? I had a... A big thing changed in my life. I don't want to go into that too much. Big thing changed in my life. So I decided that I didn't want to stay in the small northern town that I was living in. The small northern town I absolutely, absolutely love. I do love. But I was like this. I'm not getting any further staying here. I have to do something. And again, we have to go back to Mark Bennett. Because he saw I wasn't happy at the time. So he got me to come and work at Illusions in Bristol. So I worked there for months. And then... I met somebody, and that person wanted to move to London. So I moved to London with that person, and I decided, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can get into university. But I didn't have, because as I said earlier, I, I left college without finishing. I left college without finishing, because I can be quite impulsive, and I was like, I wonder if I can get into university. So I applied to get, to do, uh, um, events production course and I got in and I was really shocked I got in because of the fact that I've run lots of events and shows I've been putting shows on by this time I'm, I'm 30 maybe 30, 29, 30 so I've been putting on shows for getting up to 7 or 8 years um, doing theatre shows things like that and they let me on the course but really that was just an excuse to get me to London anyway after that, I fell out with a person that I moved to London with, and I came home to an empty flat one day with a letter saying I had one week to move out of the flat because the tenancy had been terminated. And it wasn't much of a falling out. I was probably, I was, the news that had made me move away from my hometown was still affecting me and it was still upsetting me, so I was still probably not that nice for a person to live with. And and so they moved out and at that point I actually ended up homeless for six months. So six months homeless in the middle of winter and it was four or five years ago, really cold. And I had to I had to make some money, I had to get off the streets. So a couple of uni friends let me sleep on the couches. Um, quite a few times I did have to sleep in West West End London. Um, next to a swimming bath because they had a really warm vent that blew out warmer which was good Um, and then I was like street shows and that was it, street shows and the harder I worked at the street shows the better it got and it was building up equipment over time getting better, getting a microphone getting an amplifier, doing street shows and the street guys street guys as you get into it are a big awesome family and they will help you and they will give you beds and they will give you food and they will help you no matter what and they will lend you equipment um and that's an amazing thing about street entertaining i could go to australia tomorrow and i guarantee if i put onto social media hi i'm in sydney any street entertainers about i need a bed within minutes i will have somebody that will be like Hi Sam, X and X said that you're here. You can stay at mine for a couple of weeks if you want while you work here. That's what's amazing. The street, the street entertaining community is worldwide, and everybody knows each other. and And the cabaret people know the street people. When when you start traveling the world and and you go you go and watch a street person, they will know somebody you know. And it's 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 just part of the cabaret and the magic community. Everybody does know each other around the world. Anyone that I've spoken to on this podcast that has
0: done street performing or is a street performer have always talked about a length of time that it's taken them to feel that they are a competent and then a good street performer. How is it for you then? I suppose starting street performing in London whilst homeless probably isn't, a perfect recipe to be really really great straight away
1: yeah um, I'm, I can't even say that I am great I I am I'm, I'm, I'm not bad I get by I feed my family um, it took it took at least definitely took two years I think you can do it you can do it in three months if you're in the right position to start with, you know if if you know that your rent is fine and you know that and and you can afford to buy the equipment that you need to start with a few people do come in and within a within a couple within a month or so they they're really finding the feet at it, but the streets the streets is an amazing an amazing thing i urge everybody i ever meet when i ever talk to performers or anything i say do you do street shows because street shows a solid solid practice nobody knows that you are doing a show nobody knows it it's not like it makes it so easy now if i walk out onto a stage and they know that i'm going to be on They might not know who I am or my acts or anything like that, but they know I'm going to be on. They're ready to watch me do something. Bang. Easy. So easy. But from doing a street show, you stand there and every single time, and you've done street, you do street shows with me. Like I I prefer it when you're there so we can have a chat in the six hours that we wait in the freezing cold and the rain. To hope that we might get another street show that might pay enough to pay our travel home. Uh, <laughs> it is depressing sometimes, isn't it? It's
0: a party all it, the time. It, it is it, it, I mean, I I think doing comedy garden or any street pitch can be the most depressing or the most uplifting, exciting moment. I've there's an and I'll I'll just plug this because there's no other chance I'd get to plug it, but there's a magazine called The Independent Comedy Appreciation. Society. I've never
1: heard of that. No, it,
0: they've only had four issues out. I'll show you one in a minute. It's beautiful, really beautiful illustrations, and I wrote an article for them on why all comedians should consider street performing, and because the the street performers, you know, big name comedians that were street performers. Eddie is. Eddie Al Murray. Al Murray. I think Bill Bailey did it. Think, don't quote me on that one, though. Pierce Brosnan definitely was. Um, oh, I can't think of his name now. The guy that was Mrs Doubtfire. Robin Williams was a street performer. Robin Williams performer. was a street performer. Steve Martin definitely Steve Martin was, was a street performer. And he, so I wrote this article about you know them doing that. And the one bit that I wrote was how I once drunkenly spent all of the money in my bank account on a ticket... Oh. Did, did that it was well, right by the microphone. <laughs> you a poured ticket. a drink literally on the microphone. Um, I once spent all the money in my bank account on a ticket to go to Download Music Festival because I wanted to watch Guns N' Roses and I wanted to watch loads of wrestling and both of those things were on there. But I'd spent the money on the ticket so I hadn't, didn't have the money to enjoy myself there. But luckily, it was the summer holidays. Well, you'll know, I came in for a week And I did three shows a day, Monday to Friday, and then went. And I earned enough money to go and have a really good time in Download Festival. I got a load of... Which is not cheap. Which is not cheap, but I got a load of cash. And what I remember was I had a big bag full of coins. I went to one of the burger vans, and they were like, um, I was like, can you change this? And they were like, yeah. And they thought I had like a tenner, but I had 80 quid. But that was eighty quid that I didn't know. I hadn't even counted that in my hats. That was just extra.
1: Don't tell everybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that was on a that was on a good week for me. But my point there is, oh, it can be so exhilarating. You can go in and you can earn the money that can ease any problems you might need. Two hundred quid. As long as to pay the, the weather's all right. As long as the weather's all right, so it can be really good. But it can be freezing cold. There can be a march on. It can be raining.
1: There can be two helicopters flying above you. Yeah. There can be noise issues. There can be... The pitch that you want to work on, you can get there, and there's a problem with the gas mains underneath and all of some of the pitch doesn't exist because it's got a crane there and three diggers and, and then you've got to worry about, is this going to be here for two days or two weeks? And they don't tell you. But... The benefits, it's a lifestyle, not a living. I think I said that before. Um but from that, I've also got some amazing things that have happened to me. You know, I've 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 done shows for I can now say that I've done shows for bear grills. Yep. Yeah. And I managed to I got to, I didn't even realise it was bear grills, but I made my bear grills joke that totally won't make any sense, but I think it's quite funny. Why do you take George Foreman camping? I don't know. Why do you take George Foreman camping? Because he's got Bear grills. <laughs> um, Samuel L. Jackson, Roman Abramovich, Al- Alex Ferguson, um, Macaulay Culkin. You know, they've stood and watched my shows. Whoopi Goldberg as well. They've stood and watched my shows. And you've got to pretend that you've not spotted them. Got to pretend that you've not spotted them, otherwise you ruin your show.
0: Yeah, because everybody looks at them and actually what they probably like is they can just blend into a crowd of two hundred people. Yeah. And just watch this weird. Have you had two hundred people in your crowd? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make myself seem better. Two hundred people, eighty quid. <laughs> There's people listening to that though, being like, eighty quid and two hundred people? Yeah. That's
1: bad. It's almost like people don't pay enough. <laughs> it's doesn't like, they? Hang on, the Surely not everyone's paid then. No, it's almost like they all stand there with a five pound cup of coffee from Starbucks and then send the kids forward with twenty p, and you've got to smile through it as if it's nothing, as if as if they've not just insulted you, even though they're then off to the Lion King round the corner, twenty seconds away, and they paid hundred and twenty quid a ticket. But that that. That sort of bitterness and those bitter thoughts never actually come into my head when I'm doing street shows. Yeah, and I think...
0: (laughs) And I think the other thing is everyone... Every audience member will look at a street performer in a different way. And actually, do you know what? Most people say it in their bottle, but a lot of people will presume you are being paid by someone else to be there.
1: They presume that you're being paid by somebody else or they presume that you're no more than a beggar? Yeah. Um, however, the, the the greatest part is when you know you've changed somebody's life and that sounds like such a big bold statement but genuinely, I'm not, it doesn't happen often, somebody will come over after and they will say, I'm sorry I've not got any money but I need to tell you, I've just lost X member of my family. I was really upset today and you've just you've changed that for me you've made me you've made me really happy and you're like that's cool that's cool that's all I want to do that's all i really wanting to do if somebody could just give me a house and feed my children and do this without asking for money every single time mm. and
0: I think a lot of looking at a lot of certainly performers in Covent Garden there's those that we kind of know, background has always been performing, but there's loads that we know were bankers or whatever, yeah. and just walked past and saw you or someone else doing a show, and that is the inspiration. So actually, you can change someone's life by, you know, giving them a better outlook on a bad day. But actually,
1: you can change someone's whole career. Do you know what there was? There was there is a banker that I know of right, and he always wanted to be a performer. And he had a safe job, but from watching Covent Garden performers, he's now become a Covent Garden performer. He's no guarantee of money, but he genuinely says he's so much happier because he's doing the thing that he really wanted to do. Mm. The thing that, and yeah, you can, you can change, it does change lives. And... You can't say it's fun. You can't say it's horrible. But it is fun. It is really fun. And like I said, not only do you get to meet celebrities, people like Charlie Caper that you've had on here. Yeah. I get to chat to him. He won Sweden's Got Talent. But he'll see me now down the street and he'll be like, you're right, Sam? And it's like, that's amazing. There's Charlie Caper, who is... Definitely one of the best magicians in the world. I'm not that great of a magician, (laughs) but Charlie Caper is a good magician and he's a street performer. He will never stop doing the streets because of how rewarding it is.
0: Yeah, he absolutely loves it. And that is actually another cool thing. Like quite often, if we've gone in and I've done a few shows and they were all right shows, but actually, even if the shows, even if my hats, I suppose, have only been okay, if loads of people came to visit me, it's really cool. And like sometimes you have like five magicians from all over the country, all over the world, that just come and say hi.
1: Yeah, I've had Greg. I've had Greg Wilson turn up on the corner. I've had, I, I could I could name drop and name drop and name drop, and I think I've done that loads in this interview. But it's very, very. <laughs> it's very rewarding in that way that you get to. Meet and chat with people, and a lot of times they're your idols, and you don't even notice them. And they watch your show, and they come over, and they're like, "You did really well," and you're like, "You're starstruck." Mm. You're starstruck that that person's actually watched your act and thinks you're good, and then, and then it goes even further. Then they tell other people, and it gets, it gets you big gigs and things like that. It's just all but magic's a community, isn't it? It's a community. Street, circus, whatever, we're a community. It's all about helping each other.
0: Final question on um, streets, and then we'll talk about some of the other cool things you've done in London since you moved down to the capital. But what would be your one or a few pieces of advice to someone that is thinking they want to, to start street performing? Because the great thing about it is. No one's going to stop you doing it. It's just you and your head. You know, you, that's the only barrier there is. Get an act together, get out there, do it. You, you're going to die on your ass. You're going to have horrible, horrible shows to begin with. But eventually, if you stick at it, you'll get there. That's what I say. You must have some better wisdom than that. What would your advice be to someone thinking about starting it?
1: Um, you can go and do it as a hobby. Or you can do it to make money. I do it 50-50 do what you want do whatever you want in the show because that stage is your stage you're not working for anybody you're you're doing a show do whatever you want to enjoy do whatever you think is funny if it doesn't work sit back after your show think how it might work or whether or not to get rid of it invest in your props especially If you've got a pitch that you can use amplified, especially a decent microphone and speaker. Don't start, uh, don't start with a cheap speaker, but after that, use that to buy a better speaker. A better speaker can triple your hats every single time. Every single time you will make more money. It might cost you a lot in the first instance, And I'm talking. My microphone and my speaker cost about twelve hundred together. But that's a, that's I can't say how.
0: Yeah, you were going to say how long (laughs) it would take you to earn that back, then, weren't you?
1: (laughs) That's, that's half of a Paul Debeck street show. That's half of Paul Debeck street show. Yeah, it really does help, and I ignored that voice, uh, ignored that advice a lot at the beginning. I I was cocky and I was like I don't need that, I don't need that, but how much easier it's become, speakers break anyway, you still have to replace them or fix them, but when I finally actually said, do you know what, I'm having no money this month, I'm buying a new amplifier and a new microphone and I did that, my hat's tripled and they really did because it was about the clarity of my voice and I've not got a great voice or speaking style to start with so that really helped Uh, the other thing is respect the pitch don't throw rubbish on the floor don't you're going to end up having some arguments with some of the other performers because some of the other performers can be really horrible just respect the pitch learn who each other is and take an interest in what they do and be friendly with them because you never know who you might need the help of at some point. You never know if you're going to go in one day and your microphone's broken and you can't really do a show and there's that one person there. No other performers have turned up and the one person that's there is the person that you decided to argue with. So just be nice. But that's my life advice anyway. <laughs>
0: I want to talk about, because going out and doing street shows is something I know lots of magicians will be like, oh that seems amazing, running your own magic night or running your own variety night is another one, but before we get on that, can we talk about how you met your wife?
1: We can, to an extent, and I'm going to say it as best as I can, um, but you're to blame. Alright, are you taking this one? I mean, you know. Because you know what she's
0: like. Subscribers to certain uh, <laughs> magazines <laughs> will already know, because the story was published as an article. What was it? Oh, right.
1: Oh, take a break. Take yeah. a break. Oh, that's when we were desperate for money. but. Right. So,
0: yeah, my, my girlfriend's nan will have that, probably.
1: Right. So, I met Karen. This was actually while I was still homeless, and she didn't know. But it was my mate Stagdo, so they had a couple of performers turn up, and one of them I thought was amazing, and I asked her if she wanted to be in a magic show, and she said she wanted to be in a magic show, and I said brilliant, can you come and um, can you come and meet me? Uh, do you want to come to my flat, which I had to borrow a mate's flat. And she came round and yeah, we we hung out and we worked on the magic show but there was a little spark and but from that we we really enjoyed I saw there was something in her and something in me that we enjoyed organising shows and putting shows on and seeing what we could do and what we could get away with and we loved being cheeky um the shows that we first started doing were a lot naughtier than we do now there was nothing untoward but they were a lot naughtier than we do now we just realized that still there's a lot of audience that may be a bit too prudish for the things that you want to do you know we wanted it to be a big rave naughty party um but we yeah, we we've now been together 5 years. We got married. Got married in September. We've got two boys. We've got Jude and we've got River. And and uh, yeah, that's that's and she's absolutely amazing. She is amazing. She puts up with me. Um you know what I'm like. I'm very polite, but I'm a nightmare. <laughs> I'm a nightmare there's a little nickname isn't there but I am a nightmare when I'm a nightmare and she puts up with me but I'll be honest I put up with her as well she she can be very very fiery sometimes all the great people
0: can Sam all the great people can (laughs) Uh, but you and Karen um, set up Set up a night, the Beautiful Magicians Club, which I was heavily involved in at one point and will always remain uh, I'll be honest. an avid
1: follower and supporter of. You, I, and Karen set up Beautiful Magicians Club. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. In fact, Karen wasn't even a twinkle in Beautiful Magicians Club. We just... We, we talked her about her it. We yeah. We needed somebody that was actually beautiful. We we talked about it. We talked about it at Blackpool, at a very late time at night, and it was all a big joke. And then I met Karen. And then, then I said, Loz, I want to do this. Should we do it?" And that might have been like a year later. It probably was quite a bit later, yeah. And we were like, "All right, sod it. Let's do it." And we set up Beautiful Magicians Club, which is, it's a cabaret. It's, it's a one of kind magic night. It ha- and it has evolved a
0: lot. So kind of talk about those early Beautiful Magicians Clubs, you know, in Moneros, which is essentially a cellar underground and it's, you know, a few magicians, a stripper as it was built, fire, that
1: kind of stuff. Because yeah. it has evolved to a more um, and there were definitely there were there were dealers in that room, there were there were people in that room that were definitely very scary, like if you were to get on the wrong side of them, yeah. And it was all sofas and it was run by my friend um Amici. No, he's proud of Paneros, um, uh, he never saw anything bad going on, so that's fine. So I can mention Amici, um, yeah. And it was, and it was, it was very chaotic, and there were no, there was no seating, and fifty people. More, I think we got eighty in it once, and I'm quite sure that was passed by your eggs. We got we got far, we got far not too many in one
0: night. I think it was the night that was my birthday, and I kept saying to the guy on the door, oh, we've got some other people that have just messaged me saying they want to come. Is it all right if they they come in?" And he was like, "It's your night." And I was like, "But you told me we're." We're at capacity. We're at capacity. About was like thirty people. it's <laughs> like it's your night. So yeah, we crammed in. I think we crammed eighty in there one night. Yeah. And that was hot and sweaty, and people had to leave during each. We'd have an act on, and then people would leave to get some air and come back. Some air. Yeah, <laughs> but talk <laughs> us, talk us through Beautiful Magicians Club. Talk us through those early um, those early days and how it's evolved to what it is now.
1: It's it's sort of similar. It's sort of similar to Beat the Wand. Is we. There's a lot of talent that I think needs a bit of guidance, or or isn't getting booked because they're not mates with people that have already got nights on and things like that. And we, we were all about we were all about beautiful magicians club. The I think the ori- original tagline was beautiful magic, beautiful music, beautiful people. Um, and the beautiful part has always been about being good to each other supporting each other, making sure that the acts got paid a fair wage for what they're doing, because there are plenty of promoters out there that will offer somebody £20 to go and do fire at a gig, which you know, doesn't really cover the insurance or anything like that. Um, And then there are promoters that have the set fees. What we do is we, when we first started doing it, it was a split. We were going to do it and we were going to
0: split it and we did it pay what you want didn't we? we did we do a pay what you want? The always first that? couple
1: would pay what you want I'm mm. quite sure.
0: Yeah and then we kind of were like it needs to be a fiver or eight quid and then a tenner and actually what I found was the show the audiences were better when it because we moved to seats didn't we? We moved yeah. to Angel and then we were like let's bump it up to a tenner and actually those were some of the early really enjoyable shows because i think people were more like oh you know i'm paying a tenner this is a thing and i've got a seat instead of is a fiver that's where that's where it started evolving though isn't it
1: yeah started evolving because at that point because they paid a tenner it couldn't be as chaotic as it was even though it was chaotic it worked it worked but it was sort of like you come in just we're all having a riot together that's fine when we started charging that sort of guide of it went away that sort of part where people were going to hang out afterwards and carry on partying and we were just going to put a band on and everyone just carries on partying after the the cabaret part of it that went because everybody they paid a tenner they wanted to watch the show they wanted to leave and be home for 11 yeah um, and then and then we had a, a slight tiff on one of those nights. <laughs> A slight tiff. Um, but, but from that, it's, it's now evolved because we've moved, we've moved over to West London. It's now evolved into... It is a night, but we change the theme of it every single time. So the one that we're doing on Friday, which will be last Friday or two weeks ago when this goes out, is Mum's the Word. And all the performers are mums. So this is Karen's take missy's taking over this part and she's she's the boss i'm just the sound tech on this one and all the performers are mums the next one that i'm going to do is is going to be a mental health show and what we what we're trying to do now is we try to theme the night around something relevant something that something to show that people that are young mums can are still talented and they still have a lot going on and that they work hard or, or something, you know, a performer that's like, I've got, I've got mental health issues, but I love doing these shows, so I'm doing a show for you. And, you know, we don't know what the next theme will be or the next theme will be, but we, we just try to keep it going. And we don't, we barely, we barely cut a profit on it, but it's something to be doing is the reason we do it it's something to be doing but we believe we believe that we can we can really build this in it is building it is building we've sold out now 22 shows in a row and there's very few comedy cabaret any sort of nights in london in london which has got the fiercest competition in the world that can say they've sold out all 22 shows in a row. And we've done that. And luckily we've just got... Two hours ago, I just showed you. We've been given a couple of hours on a stage at Kendall Calling. Which I think I already mentioned. And said exactly that sentence.
0: You did, but you, you said it on our WrestleMania preview podcast. Oh, right. Then. And That's this fine. is completely different.
1: Yeah, so So, Kendall Calling the last weekend of July (laughs) is a huge, huge... Well, it's not huge, but it's one of my favourite music festivals I've ever been to. They hired me nine years ago to do the comedy stage because I used to do a lot of stand-up comedy as well, with a bit of magic thrown in. And luckily, just by luck, one of the people in the audience was actually the person that ran the festival, and I've become good friends with him and i've it's still taken me 4 years of sending in a pitch of the show that we want to do and this year he's agreed to give me a good enough budget so we can put a show on we're going to have stilt walkers and stilt walkers and jugglers and street shows and face painters and and. And character artists walking around during the day. When I say character artists, I don't mean really crappy knockoff mascot costumes. <laughs> I mean walking around for the day, but throughout the day, and then in the afternoon, we're going to have a spectacular show. And we've got different headliners for each night. And these are genuinely, I go straight to my favourite acts. You're gonna enjoy this bit because the acts that I've booked are Max Somerset, who is incredible. He's just a lovely person who'll answer the phone at any time. He's he's he charges a lot more than we can pay him to do this festival, but. Everybody knows who Max Somerset is. Every magician knows who Max Somerset is. And if you don't know who Max Somerset is, have a look at who Max Somerset is. Go and watch him. Then we've got Kieran Johnson, who every magician knows who is at the moment, um, doing his, his regurgitation act. Then we've got this other act. Um, Cain, Cain and Abel? Cain and Abel, have you heard of those, Lawrence? Sound like a pair of <laughs> no Cain and Abel. we've got you guys on we've got you guys on so we've got those three acts but then over the three nights that we're working we change it your support act you're a support act then you're a middle act and then you're a headline act we change it right so it's sort of the same show but it's not it's a different show every single night and you know what it's like working with beautiful magician's club we're just a team we're a team we get in we do it we get out um We've actually, we were looking at a list the other day and we've hired over the last four or five years since we started, four or five years since we started, 70 entertainers, 70 entertainers for, we've taken them to Poland, we've done the Formula One at Silverstone, we've done cellars in basements, um, we've done, kids parties for people that were not allowed to mention, who like multi-millionaire, multi-multi-millionaires, kids parties, but were never allowed to mention who that was. Um, we've, but we I, I believe that we, we keep going, because we try to treat our performers as best as we can. There's always, without even, having to ask there's always food and drink backstage that's just a given and taken and and all our performers even when they're not working for us on social media we will share that they're doing shows we will let people know that these are good performers because there's there's good things that let everybody know about a certain performer like Britain's got talent and things like that But I think the most important thing is the performers Performers support each other and let each other be. Not to be jealous or scared that that person is going to take your work. They're not going to take your work. The more that we share good performers, people that we believe in, the more that audiences see that live entertainment is alive and kicking and trust more and more shows. But if you keep hiding people out of fear, actually hiding yourself you're hiding live entertainment. That's my belief.
0: And out of these performers that you've booked at Beautiful Magician Club, who have been some of
1: your favourite people you've
0: booked and had on board?
1: Wow. That's a big list. Some of my favourites. Can we talk about the the ladies or the men? Both? Both. Yeah, because we, we, do, we do lots of stuff. We we mix up a lot of burlesque into the show. So we've had lots of fantastic burlesque people. Kim Fox, who's been our compere a couple of times. I think I've got a soft spot for her because she's actually from near me and she's got pretty much the same voice um, when she's singing as well. Are you hearing that, Kim? That voice in <laughs> a woman. It's everything I've been dreaming of for no, years. Kim's a fantastic singer and Comper. Um... There's obviously you guys, Cain and Abel. There's, there's Paul DeBeck. Paul DeBeck, who did tell me off one night. He did tell me off, and I didn't think he was gonna be my friend anymore, but um, but we are friends. We're very good friends, and I miss him. I miss you, Paul. Um, Hiroshi Cosmic. Um, do you know Hiroshi? He's Japanese guy that does, he's an amazing athlete and acrobat. Um, Max Somerset Kieran Jack Charlie Beavis um, every not all of them every single performer that we've had if I carried on, on we'd run out of memory on that SD card you've oh, got there we nearly definitely be, we nearly nearly be... run out we <laughs> twice I'll tell you one of the best acts we've had though Go on, me <laughs> done every show
0: <laughs> might not be the best but I've been at every one everyone always gets hired. <laughs> Have you, um, what's his tattoo on your finger all about? Oh, are we doing this one? Yeah. I wasn't going to ask you this, but I'm going to ask you. Because I don't even know the full story behind it. Because you told me about it and I thought, yeah. <laughs> I won't
1: get asked to be in that, so I don't want to know about it. The tattoo on my finger is something I'm, I am really proud of. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. This is one that I definitely don't know what I'm allowed to say. I'm just going to say... There's a website for it, though, isn't there? There is a website for it. I'm just going to say that Laura London, fabulous Laura London, like, one of the best card workers in the world, by far. And Daniel Madison, also one of the best card workers in the world, by far. Um, They let me have this tattoo... They let me have this tattoo and it's mine, it's the, I've got the five of clubs, and it's on my middle finger, on the inside, on my right hand, just as it is on 51 other fingers around the world. And they are 51 other magicians that have something to offer. That is the arsiest thing I think I've ever said, but that's what, that is... They're all super talented people. Super talented magicians around the world. Shin Lim's one of the magicians. Um I think Ollie Mealing, Chris Ramsey. Um that have something to do the 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 magic is their life. And so I think in fact there might actually be two cards left. But it's just it's, it's, we've got playing cards on our fingers. I've got one. I'm really happy that I got one and mine's official. Um, and I like being in the same group. I'm very proud to be in the same group as the other magicians that are in this group. Um, it's not to say that pretty much every magician deserves one as well. It's just tough, mate. <laughs> cards have gone. They've all run out.
0: Everyone, I'll, can I get the one that's the the rules for uh, bridge? Yeah, you can get that if you want. What can I get that? Or ten cents off your next deck of bicycles? You can get you can get that. Could you get that? Could you, you get, get a tattoo? Though I don't know. <laughs> could you do that? Where, everywhere I want my tattoos. Whenever I tell Missy about them, she tells me I pick the most painful place because I want to get. I'm not going to say it on here because someone will copy it, but. Do you remember what I said I wanted to get tattooed behind my ear? I'll tell you after. Right. Because they will all, they're all Um I want to get tattooed behind my ear and I want to get a tattoo on my kneecap. Which are like the two most painful places.
1: But silence doesn't work for this, no. does it?
0: I'll just cut it out. I want to get a coin behind my ear. Oh, right.
1: I was thinking it was over... Have you seen this over here? <laughs> yeah okay. And then, yeah, I want to get <laughs> coin, coin Over, over here, co- coin over here. And Have you seen this one over here as
0: well? <laughs> over here Oh, uh, we should get those And I don't want to get a rabbit's head on my knee And then, when I thought about that I was thought it would be funny to get brio
1: On my knee I wanted to get on my P-O-T-A T O M A, so I could have potatoes and tomatoes <laughs> on your feet. <laughs> on my feet. On, on your toes. On my
0: toes. <laughs> oh, we've digressed. Anyone who's listened to this, congratulations. But if people listen, people last last time listened to the the wrestling one, and that was
1: ridiculous. I enjoyed doing the wrestling I one. I I feel like maybe we've we've been swimming against the tide on this. <laughs> I think we've done all right. I got one
0: final question. Right. And it's a deep question. Uh, because um, you've told us this story of on paper what is a fantastic career? You've done some amazing things. How often do you think about giving up?
1: Um, <laughs> don't make it too deep. What do you mean? What, on life or the career? The career. <laughs> um, never. I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn. Sometimes I feel like maybe I should and maybe I should get a proper job. But... Who'd have you? One, who'd have me. too. i I've spent since I was 18 working for myself. And I can't really work for other people. I struggle to work for other people. It's alright a few hours at a time. You know, uh, but I can't really work under a boss because I'd just be like, "Yeah, but I do this this way." Um, and the other thing is, the another thing is, I live in London. My rent's fifteen hundred quid a month for a two bedroom flat. I'm not going to be rich, even if I earn, even if I became a doctor. After tax and paying rent and then rates and everything like that. It's not going to make me wealthy. But I'd be working a lot harder than I am. Not to say that I am working 24 hours a day. If I'm awake I'm working. In some way or another. Even if it's just thinking. Which people might not think is work. That is work. That is work. Um, I'm... Oh, I've totally tripped over this. No, I'm not going to give up. Because this is what, this is really what I know and what I enjoy. I'm not just a magician. I'm a promoter. I'm a dad. I'm counselling for friends sometimes, you know. I I advise people. I, I just, it's my life, isn't it It is my life. And I'm not going to change it now. It's my life. It's my life.
0: <laughs> um, what What do you want to achieve? What What else do you want to do? Oh
1: right. Do you want to know my big one? Go on. Since Since I was about eleven, and this actually comes from wrestling. Uh, I think it was Royal 1990? Uh, the The U K Royale? Is it called the U K Royal?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, the first Royal Rumble was in nineteen ninety two. So it might have been after that if it was a Royal Rumble, but it might have been a no, battle royal. No, it was royal. before that.
1: It was a battle royal. Yeah,
0: it might have been a tester because they actually did, which isn't surprising when you think about it. Loads of test Royal Rumbles. Yeah, it was non- a twenty many, It was a twenty man
1: battle royal at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. I want to play the Royal Albert Hall by my fortieth birthday. Which is. Five years from now. Surely all it takes is a phone call. Surely all you have to do is phone up and say, how much does it cost to hire? And they're like, it's this much. And you say, okay, I'm going to save up for five years and I'll pay you that amount of money and I can do the show. But it's almost like there are barriers in the way, depending who you are and where you're from in this business. Almost like there's barriers. But I'm going to do that. I'm going to do Battle royal. I have to battle royal. I'm going to do... It's going to be a battle royal. I want to do the Royal Albert Hall. I want to... I want to do the Magic Castle. I want to do... Um, I want to do the main stage at Blackpool. I don't think I'll ever close it, because I'm not an illusion act. But I want to... I've done the main stage at Blackpool, but I want to do it in the gala show. Yeah. Um and the main thing that i want but i think this is only if i got like a mega lottery win and i don't even buy tickets is i want to buy a theater a big theater a gorgeous theater and then i can have complete control and i can put the best acts on in the world i want a tv show like the amazing show that's just finished the le grand cabaret du monde yeah And it's finished and there should be a show like that in Britain there should be a decent cabaret show that's not about competition I want to change television back or a little bit of it back to the idea that we were just showcasing good acts because it made good television it didn't have to be a phone-in vote or anything like that it was just this is good television watch it because that's what got me into magic what got me into magic were Generation Game Paul Daniels Penn and Teller Secret Cabaret Shoot the White Rabbit you know they were just variety shows of cabaret show. Generation Game wasn't as such but <coughs> it was yeah there were variety shows the Royal Bride performance did not used to be 15 pop acts and one variety act from Britain's Got Talent It used to be variety acts from around the world. And it made good television. And it was. And you'd sit there and you'd see a name that you didn't even know about. I can't even pick a name at random right now. Um, Who does the paper folding? With the the beard and the hat? Yeah. You're just old. I can't even remember his name right now. Because it's been 20 years since he's had those sort of acts on television. Yeah. Um, I can name right now, Variety Accent, if I put five of them on the stage, I, and we filmed it, and we put it on on Saturday night, prime time, yeah, it was on prime time, and there was no phone in or anything, people would watch it, and be like, that was amazing. Easy, easy five. We could stick you on, we could stick Steve Rawlings on, Martin Cox, Jack Charlie Beavis, John Archer. You know, it doesn't have to be a competition to be a good show. So, yeah, I'd love to change TV about and maybe have a TV. I I mean, one idea that I did have that I'd love to do is Beautiful Magicians Club. Sort of like TFI Friday, but hosted by magicians. Yeah. So you'd have your close-up guy doing an interview whilst doing a trick. Yeah and then you'd have your variety act at the other end of the room and it'd just sweep round live from this act to that act so you could have your close up and then you're over there which i suppose shoot the white rabbit was very similar to Mm um and we yeah i've got a million aims well i never sleep because i'm always thinking of things that could happen um and the only way to make them happen is You've got to, you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it, and then this isn't going to end on a positive note. We could end on believe it. That's nice. We could end on believe it. But do you want to do? Your, do I want do want to, do your your to say. Bit. Go on. I do want to say, what is unfortunate is in this business. People are, people can be bitter. And therefore, they nay say what people can achieve, and. That doesn't help. If you don't want to do something, don't do it. But if somebody says that they want to do it or they're going to try and achieve it, just say, well done. Support them. Or don't say anything at all. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. In that case, Sam, I just won't say anything. <laughs> Cheers, mate! <laughs> Did you get my bitterness that you wanted? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talking Tricks with Cade and Abel. Please rate, review and subscribe to, to the podcast. podcast.